0: If someone's like, I really want to create a course, how does someone go about doing that? Because it feels like it could be super daunting.
1: I mean, this is one of the big mistakes that people make with courses too, is we think, okay, people are paying $100, $1,000, whatever the price point is. I have to make sure that they get $100 worth of value. And so we do this like brain dump, but actually that's not serving
2: them. TikTok has broadened my horizons a ton because a lot of these videos that I love watching are not thumbnails that I would ever click on on YouTube. But because the first three compelling seconds gets me in. I'm like, oh, cool. I didn't know I'd like that.
1: I love LinkedIn. I think it is massively underutilized by creators. It's a slower platform, so there's not as much
2: competition when it comes to like high quality video content. I had never considered that on all the other platforms you're competing with like entertainment. It's like trying to give away fruit on Halloween. Welcome to Inside the Creator Studio, an origin story podcast about the world's best video content creators. My name is Moa Keefe,
0: And my name is Katie Kane. On today's episode, we have Latasha James, a marketing strategist, digital content creator, coach, and the owner of James & Park, a marketing company. She also hosts the Freelance Friday podcast. We're going to talk to her about evening routines, the best advice she ever received, and why LinkedIn is underrated.
2: This show is brought to you by StreamYard a browser-based tool that lets you live stream to multiple platforms at the same time or record remote podcasts in studio quality. It's built for creators to make your job way easier. We use it to record this show. Latasha, welcome to the show. We're super excited to have you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Let me get all my stuff set up. I was saying to Mo before I was having, it. I feel like it's become um, standard with me. I have like one piece of equipment that likes to, um, mess up on me every show. It's great. Yeah. Um, Especially and today, on a Monday. it's always on a Monday, right? It's always on a Monday. Well, honestly, it's every day of the week. <laughs> I have something going on, but today my light stand stopped adjusting. It like broke. So mm-hmm. that was my thing of today. So I'm still kind of like, Ooh, um, but yeah, we love to start the show with, um, Rapid fire questions. So, um, in this section, keep your answers maybe to one or two words or a few words, whatever feels like it answers the question. Um, so, let's start. What is your setup for this call?
1: Yeah, my setup for the call I am um, got a MacBook Pro, Logitech Brio uh, webcam, and then I just have the Elgato. It's like a, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called the Key Light, the Elgato Key Light. And sure, MV7 into a roadcaster. Perfect. Awesome. That was more than two
0: words already. <laughs> no, no, no. That I, I asked that. And then I was like, wait, you have to say more than two words to answer this question. It's more just like, keep it brief, I guess. Yeah. Um, just as a fun bit. Um, what's your favorite social media site? YouTube,
1: if we count that. Some people don't say yeah. that's social media, but I say I, think- I say YouTube. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite vegan
0: food? Ooh,
1: I mean, okay. This weekend I made a really good vegan Caesar salad. So simple to the point, homemade. Um, what do you call the things? Croutons?
0: Uh, croutons. Yeah. So good. Love that. I might have to get the recipe for that. I love Caesar. Yeah. Um, what company or creator is killing their social media game right now? In your opinion,
1: that's a tough one. There's. It's like there's so many and then your mind totally blanks at the same time. And you're Mm -hmm. like, what do do I even pay attention to? Um, Hmm. This is really hard. Um,
0: Who do I follow? You said company or creator? Mm -hmm. Can be anybody. We can also come back to it if you want to think oh about it. Oh, my gosh. I'm stressed out. I'm like, I I don't, who do I follow? I don't follow a single creator, apparently. <laughs> um put you on the spot. Sorry. Oh, like, my gosh. I don't I'm like follow anyone, I don't know how to do social media. Everything has oh come out gosh. of my mind. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know what? Okay. I'm going to say I just did a video with them. Um, AppSumo. They do mm. a really great job. I think they are doing a, a really smart job of working with affiliates. Um, so they have a great uh, both in-house marketing strategy. Like their YouTube channel is amazing. But then they also are really leveraging
0: a bunch of affiliates really well. So I'm going to say them. Love it. That's great. Yeah. Um, sweet. That's the end of our rapid fire. Um Can you tell us your story, why you got into social media in the first place, why you quit your job, if you can, um, and why you're passionate about helping others in the space? For sure. For sure. I
1: mean, I got started on social media a long time ago. Like I always say I'm a YouTube dinosaur. I've been in YouTube for 10 years, (laughs) which is a long time. And I started on YouTube. I was going to school for film Mm -hmm. and I just needed a place to put my film projects at school. Like that's how I created my first YouTube account. And through doing that, I kind of found the beauty community on YouTube and I was like, oh, this is fun. I never grew up like wearing makeup or anything like that. So I was learning. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And I got really involved in it and loved it and started posting my own videos. So that's how my YouTube channel started. I was doing like beauty content, lifestyle content, just totally for fun. I was so Ignorant to it all. I had no idea that there was people making money or I didn't know what AdSense was or anything like that. Um, and then over the years, you know, I did that for a few years and just really started to love the process of like the SEO research and, you know, really getting my videos looking as good as I could get them with my very like amateur equipment at the time, and just started to love that process. And then I started to document that process of more of the marketing stuff and the behind the, the scenes things and And yeah, my my channel kind of pivoted to being more of a marketing channel. Um, My first client, my first freelance client found me through a YouTube video. Um, Randomly, it was like this random French startup. They found me talking about a tool that was kind of a competitor to their tool. They reached out. Could I get on a Skype call? It was back then, and <laughs> I mean, this is, I was like, I don't know. I guess I had no idea what I was doing. So, but it was so fun, and um, yeah, that's kind of how I got started. After, so I was in college at that point. I graduated and wanted to go the corporate route just to give it a give it a shot. And so I worked at a couple of different Fortune 500 companies in their marketing departments. I worked at an automotive company. I worked at a staffing company, um, and did that for like four or five years all the while I was still building my YouTube channel, building my client roster, you know, taking on a couple of clients at a time. And um, there wasn't really like a big reason necessarily why I quit. Like nothing bad happened. My My company was starting to go through some layoffs. So it was kind of putting, putting that, like planting that seed in the back of my head of like, what am I going to do if I'm next, you know? Um, yeah. And so I did kind of start to really think about the power that my freelance business had and could have. I also lost my father. And that was just kind of like very, obviously a hard thing to go through emotionally and also really puts life into perspective. He was very young and I was like, Oh my gosh, life is so short. Like I don't want to be stuck in a cubicle. Um, you know, my whole life doing something that I don't love. So I think it was just the combination of all of those things that made me be like, you know what? I, I, this is a good time to just give it a shot and this was in early 2019 so haven't went back it's been several years and i'm doing better than ever and i love it
0: that's so so cool um i'm sorry to hear about your father but i do feel like a lot of people will say similar things like life is too short it kind of pivoted me and he's probably looking down like yeah i'm really glad that she's doing what she's meant to be doing yeah thank you yeah for sure um, where does the name James and Park come from?
1: Yeah, well James is my last name and Park was it was a street I grew up on actually. I was like, I don't know. I like how it sounds. I was really homesick at the time and it just I felt like it sounds pretty classy and cool.
0: So let's do it. <laughs> yeah, it does. It totally does. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that answer. Yeah, cuz I was say th- I was thinking James is one thing, but and Park, that's where I was sort of wondering where that came yeah. in. That's really, really cool. Okay,
1: cool. Yeah. I also wanted to have flexibility with with the company too of, you know, if I want to sell the agency or if I want to bring on a partner at some point, I didn't want it to be so, t- you know, Latasha's marketing company, like I didn't want it to be so, so personal necessarily. Yeah. Um, so I think it gives me a little bit more wiggle room there. I think it also, frankly, like reduces some bias that people might have when they just hear an individual's name for whatever reason, whether that's gender assumed, you know, cultural identifiers or anything like that. Like, um, so keeping it a little bit more mysterious, I guess, helps with those things.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, that's really, really smart. We were talking before the show about the, the cap and Colin and Samir, and I don't know if you know this, but they have like a newsletter called uh, the published press and for them, like the thinking was similar of like, how do I scale my brand beyond just like who I am as an individual creator or as like as people. And yeah, they wanted to create something that didn't have their name on it. So totally understand what you're saying. And it's becoming like more and more of a trend.
1: Yep. For sure.
2: Yeah. Um, in a Forbes article back in 2022, you mentioned that 90% of your website traffic was referred through YouTube. Yeah. How has that evolved? Like, have you been consciously trying to diversify how people um, discover you?
1: Yes, I think. Yeah. So that was 2022. And even, even then, I feel like things have changed so much in that year or two since that was published, just because, you know, short form is really, really taking off even more than it was back then. And so I am aware of that. You know, I'm mindful of the fact that there are new discovery channels available nowadays. And so I haven't really changed my, my core strategy. I still am posting the same amount of YouTube videos. That's still where I'm putting the majority of my time and effort, but it's more of that post-production. Like how can I get as much life out of this content as possible? So it's remembering to clip the shorts from the YouTube videos and put it on TikTok, put it on YouTube shorts, put it on Instagram reels, wherever people will listen. Um, I've also gotten really a lot more strategic about my newsletter strategy too. Um, for a while, I was just doing whatever I could, which was like maybe one email a week if I was lucky, and it was very much just like here's my new video, watch it. But I've gotten a lot more sophisticated. Not, I mean, not super sophisticated, but I'm sending out about two two newsletters a week now, and I try to give them a little bit more content and make them an experience, like something that people really look forward to as well, just because yeah, YouTube algorithm, TikTok algorithm, they can do what they want. Your email list is something that you really own. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would still say that YouTube is my number one referrer by, I mean, by far, I don't know if it's 90% today, but it's, it's like 70 to 80%
0: probably still.
2: Okay. Got it.
0: Um, And sort of on that topic, because you said YouTube is your favorite social media platform, um, and we're currently filming a video podcast and you host a video podcast. Um, Is it because YouTube is, I guess, your... Primary platform that you host a video podcast, or was there another reason why you didn't just do audio only?
1: Yeah, I actually started my podcast as audio only. Okay. So I had I had a YouTube channel at that point, but I just wasn't sure if the podcast format or even the topic. Cause like I said, I was doing like beauty and lifestyle content, and I kind of had this pivot to do more business and entrepreneurship content. So I was like, I don't know if my audience is gonna vibe with the Freelance Friday stuff. So I did it audio only. It felt a little safer. It felt a little less risky yeah. to, you know, to invest in all the, all the stuff and, and spend all the time, um, doing it. So I did it audio only for a season or two. Um, and it, people loved it. I would post the occasional, like if I did an interview or something, I would post it on YouTube and people loved it. The engagement rate was so much higher. So, um, and because I already had a YouTube channel, it wasn't like it was this huge, uh, endeavor. You know, I really just had to bust out my camera while I was recording and make myself maybe look a little more presentable than I was like hunched over in my PJs recording. But yeah, it's not, it's really not that hard. And I always tell people too, like you, you don't even have to go as advanced as maybe my podcast looks. You can get started with a webcam, honestly. Yeah. Um, I record a lot for my YouTube channel on this webcam actually. When I'm feeling lazier, I just have like a quick video. So start there and you can always upgrade your equipment and stuff if you need to over time.
0: Yeah. It's it's great to start somewhere. We've been talking about that a lot. It's um in the same line of Mo's hat press publish, like sort of just go for it. Um for
2: sure. Yeah, for sure. You have to start somewhere. Um yeah, that's a great answer. So one thing I've I've been obsessed with recently is like how creators come to find formats that really work for them. And on your podcast, um, beginning in July, you started this new format where you talk about like what's new in social media marketing right now. And I love that format across like every industry because I hate like reading a daily newsletter or something. And I love the idea of like passively consuming like a, a roundup type, uh, weekly or monthly show where they just tell me everything I need to know. Now, so I'm, I want to do a deep dive on this. My first question is like, you started this in July and before this, your podcast was more of like a variety show. You had a bunch of different topics and formats. You still do that, but I don't know if you had anything recurring. So first of all, can you explain what this new format is and why you started it?
1: Yeah. 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 Great, great question. Okay. So I'd actually been wanting to do this. I wanted to create a whole other podcast actually. Um, and that, that was like on my vision board this time last year, I was like, yeah, 2023, I'm going to create this new show. And it just didn't happen for whatever reason. I like traveled a lot this year and, um, and I was actually planning on making it a live show too. And I was like, that just feels overwhelming kind of to the (laughs) point of the last question. I'm like, let's not do it all at once. Let's just like, start where we're at now. And let me see if people actually like this format before I take it to, you know, some wild level. So that's really what I did. And the reason I started it in July was because of, uh, threads by Instagram that launched, which was like the first time I had been, I hadn't felt that feeling in so long of being, you know, one of the first few people on a new social media platform. I mean, it's been so long since we've really had that kind of experience. Yeah. And it was really cool uh, to to experience that in that way. And people, I mean, it was like the talk of the town for a while. And just the whole Twitter, everything going on with Twitter X, there was just a lot, a lot going on, a lot to unpack. And actually a lot of my audience, they don't tend to be, they weren't Twitter people, um, I lo- I was like a Twitter power user years ago. Um, I loved it. And so they would always come to me for like, to give them, give me the lowdown. What's going on with Twitter? I don't use Twitter. So tell me what's going on. And so that's kind of how it started. There was just a lot of news um, happening with threads and Twitter. And I just wanted to deliver it in a way that made sense to my audience.
2: Got it. Um, yeah, this is like super random. But I, I know you mentioned you, you were going to do it as a live show at first. I'm curious if you've toyed with the idea of making it a premiere because we just premiered our first episode of our video podcast today and yeah. it was like really fun, like there was yeah. like a lot of live engagement. And normally people don't engage with podcasts in that way. Like, like if we were to just post it as a video, we would not have had as many comments as we did when we got it live. So it was great to get that quick feedback.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea. I should, I should definitely do that because people love, I mean... Those videos are definitely some of my most commented on anyway. So I'm sure if I was there engaging live, it would be even better.
2: If there you, there you do, go. like send us the link. I would love to yeah. like, be there with the people. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, for we sure. totally will. Um, so at the end of that first episode, you asked viewers, do you want more like this? And I read mm-hmm. the comments and everyone was like, Yes, please. Like how mm-hmm. how did that feel? And why do you think this format resonated with your audience so much?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It felt great because I I I feel like I was I don't want to say, I don't want to be too hard on myself. I think creators can be, but like I kind of felt like I was striking out a lot this year. Like I would try new things and it just wasn't was it resonating, which is fine. That's a part of the process. So it felt good to have like an enthusiastic yes. I'm very much about like I don't want to bore you with stuff you don't want to see. Like tell me what you yeah. actually want. Um so it's cool. But um Yeah. What was, wait, what was the second half of that question? (laughs) Why do
2: you think this format resonated with your audience?
1: Yeah. 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 Um, I think to your point, like people are busy, you know, I, people, even, even just the time that it takes me to pull together those articles, read them through myself, make my notes. I mean, it is a process and that's my job as a creator to do that you know, to do that work for my audience. I think most of the people who listen to me, they're business owners, they're content creators. So they are running around, they don't have time to, or that's the last thing they want to do in their free time is sit here and like read industry articles and dig through to find the stuff that's credible or fact check things. Like, you know, so I think giving, giving, giving people what they want in a easily digestible format that doesn't require them to, to do more work. And then they can go explore and do a deep dive on their own if they really want to. But I think it really is a service to them. I, you know, it's, I'm going to make this easier for you. I'm going to tell you what's going on in an easy, simple way.
2: A hundred percent. And mm-hmm. can you now walk us through the process of crafting those episodes step by step?
1: Yeah, so I start everything always starts just in my notes app. really simple. Um, whenever I run across a story, I see a headline, something happens in the news. Uh, I just start kind of a draft. It's just very messy. Here's the links, here's the the headline. And then so these episodes I the reason I wanted to do them live is because, as we know, news changes, you know all the time. Since I'm not doing them live yet, I'm actually recording them the day before. I try to wait as long as possible before uploading just because it's like I would hate to miss the story, you know, right after after recording. So I actually just save that in my notes app. I go over to Asana is what I use to actually like map out my episodes, move my content calendar around. So then I'll drop those in there. I organize the stories by platform. So, hey, we've got a YouTube story, a TikTok story, an X story. And then I just start to pull out quotes or little highlights. I kind of just start with like a, a paragraph that I can um, quote and attribute to the article. And then the rest is just kind of my commentary. Honestly, I, I mean, I read through the articles or at least skim them, but it's mostly just me giving kind of in my own words what's going on and um, giving a little bit of of personal commentary to it. So pretty simple. I mean, I mean, it is a little time consuming just because you have to read through everything, but um, yeah, it's fun.
2: When you're capturing these ideas, like, are there some common sources of information that you're going to or, and is it like mostly just, you know, headlines uh, or are you also using social media apps? Are you subscribed to any newsletters on this topic?
1: I'm not subscribed to any. Um, I do... So I really just look at like the trending. So on X, on LinkedIn, I'll look at the trending kind of tabs that are happening. I do that, you know, once a week or, or whenever I am on there. Um, there aren't, yeah, there aren't any particular newsletters as far as like publications. I love The Verge. Um, I love The Information, um, TechCrunch. Those are all good places to kind of start. Social Media Examiner as well. They all,
0: Those are all good places to kind of start.
2: Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. Um, My next question was going to be about um, what your top tips for creators are to maintain a healthy work-life balance. But I think I'd also love to know um, what are your top tips for creators who um, want to do what you're doing and sort of be the person sifting through the information and presenting it, sort of being like a... I don't know, the go-to person for social media news, for um, creation? Um, where do you think they should start? Um, also about the whole course creation thing. I'm so fascinated by that. What do you yeah. think is, I would say those three questions, we can, if, if you forget one of them, because it's a lot to, a lot to answer at once, we can go through them. But um, let's start with, Um, what are your top tips for creators who want to sort of be a mouthpiece for this industry? Yeah,
1: Yeah, well, I think the thing, so for a long, I, I did years and years of like how to content, you know, of really helping people and serving people in a different way. And, and I still do that. Like, just to clarify, like I still, you know, do, I just do do tutorials and, and whatnot. Um, And I think it is, I don't don't want to say it's impossible, but I think it is important that you have some credibility, I guess, at least for, for this kind of path that I've carved out for myself, because otherwise it's like, well, why am I listening to this random person talk Mm -hmm. about what's going on in the world of social media? Like what, what do they have to do with this? And not that of course anybody can commentate on whatever they want to, but I think it is important that you kind of identify who you are, what you do, like why you have, why you're a credible person to listen to first. Um, Or at least I think that's why people listen to me. (laughs) Some people choose to listen to me is because they're like, oh, she's worked in, you know, she has a marketing company. She's worked in this space for so long. She has experience with all of these different platforms, not just for herself and her own personal enjoyment, but also for many different businesses and different types of businesses. So that's kind of the angle I'm you know, speaking from. It's not just like my personal feelings about whatever silly thing is happening. It's like, how is this gonna impact the business world or how is this mm-hmm. gonna impact your clients? So I think, yeah, start there. Start by really um carving out who you are and and how you can help people or or why you are credible to listen to first. Build up some of that content. And then I think people will want to hear a little bit more about, you know, your opinions on things, a little bit more of your personal, uh, you know, story and things like that once you kind of give a little first. Mm-hmm. It's
0: like how to, how to. I was thinking mm-hmm. as we were talking about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it, but it could be sort of a catch-22. Like you're like, oh, I want to be someone who's knowledgeable in this space and I can create content around it. But I have to create content and be knowledgeable in the space first. And then it just keeps going on and on. Um, And then I would say, let's talk about course creation. If someone's like, I really want to create a course, how does someone go about doing that? Because it feels like it could be super daunting to get into that space.
1: It can be. So my first course, I created it because of the podcast, the YouTube channel, people would ask me like in-depth, it it was a how to become a social media manager course, Mm -hmm. basically how to start freelancing. And I felt like I was answering the questions, you know, I'd get Q and A's and things like that, but it's like, I really need to go for like an hour on this one topic. Like client acquisition is like an hour lecture minimum. Um, And so that's really how it started. I just kind of started to listen to my audience again, take note of the things that they were consistently asking me, which how to get clients is always, I mean, that's like my number one question ever in life. So knowing that's something I really need to go deeper on. I really need to break down, give more resources on, which aren't always possible on YouTube. Like there's only so deep you can get. And I also think there's kind of a sweet spot When it comes to like niching down or getting too advanced, when you get like way in the weeds with things, I've noticed performance actually plummets. YouTube Mm. and most of the social media platforms really, they're really top of the funnel, top and mid funnel. You know, um, if I go really in depth about like, I don't know how to specifically use Facebook groups to find clients that are photographers in Midwest markets, like people aren't going to watch that on YouTube. Mm. That's way too, too niche. So um, but for a course, people are going to love that. They want all the details and they will listen yeah. to it over and over again. So keeping note of those those common questions or those things that need a little bit more of a deep dive. And then it's just about breaking it out into not overwhelming people. I mean, this is one of the big mistakes that people make with courses too, is we think, okay, people are paying you know $100, $1,000, whatever the price point is. I have to make sure that they get worth of value. Mm -hmm. And so we do this like brain dump and we're like, let me tell you everything I know, but actually that's not serving them. That's actually overwhelming them. And that will lead to people not finishing the course, not understanding. So it's actually about delivering it in a way that is digestible and understandable for your audience. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where the tricky part comes in, I guess, is and, you know, I go through and work with beta testers. I always have like a small group of people go through the course before I launch it publicly um, so I can get feedback on it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not that hard, I guess. Just break yeah. it down into, into modules. Um, don't make it too long. People, attention span, right? Like we don't have the attention span we we used to, I think. You know? So making sure modules aren't too long and, and kind of, yeah, having fun yeah. with it.
0: It's like you want enough for it to be interesting, like someone is acquiring knowledge, but not too much so that they get overwhelmed. And that's a really specific sweet spot that you have to hit. So, in a way, I do think it's kind of difficult. If you, it's a lot of trial and error. I think it's really cool that you have beta testers so you can really have someone run through and tell you what works and what doesn't. But there is a way to do a really good course and then others can just not hit the mark. So, yeah. 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 No, that's really cool. Um, so my original question, um, what are your top tips for creators to maintain a healthy work-life balance, especially when you're so public on social media? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the best I've got is <laughs> work hours. You know, I, I, I could, when I'm passionate about something, when I'm excited about a new project, I can work sun up to sundown and I have to force <laughs> myself to step away. Yeah. So for me, that's literally closing my laptop, closing my door to my office, reminding myself to get outside um, and, and have human interactions. Like those things are important. I am a big believer in separate devices too. If you can mm. swing it, like this laptop is my work laptop. And then I have an iPad and, you know, my phone, and I don't really do work on there barely ever. So those can come downstairs with me or into my bedroom, but like, I'm not going to bring my laptop and watch, even, even try to like watch TV or something, you know, in bed. Cause it always is going to turn into, well, I just got to send that quick email or check this yeah. one thing. So that's, that's really huge. And I think also having, I think people talk about the morning routine a lot, which is important. Definitely like have time to yourself. I love to go for walks and and all that stuff, but the evening routine is really important too. having like a wind down routine to signal to your yourself and to your family or whoever you spend time with that. Like I am done working for the day. Now mm-hmm. this is my personal time or, you know, family time or whatever it is. So for me, like, I always try to have something that I look forward to at the end of every day. And it doesn't have to be anything like magnificent. It's like, oh, I want to try this new recipe or I want to go grocery shopping or you know, whatever, just something that I'm going to enjoy that has nothing to do with work at the end of
0: every day. No, that's great. I forget exactly what the quote is, but I've been trying to live my life by it. I'm terrible at it. But Mel Robbins said it. She said, stop drinking three hours before you go to bed, or maybe you stop eating three hours before you go to bed stop working two hours before you go to bed and then stop. Oh no, it's eating and drinking three hours before you go to bed, stop doing it. Two hours before stop working and one hour before stop all screens. Mm. And it's so Mm. interesting because I think people are like, oh, well, I can be on my screens up until one hour before, but stopping working before that." Yeah. Sometimes it takes longer to even shut that down because you can check your emails. Like you said, you can send that email. You can uh, check if you have any comments coming in on YouTube. I mean, that can be really addictive, too. If you're going to bed and you're like, you're like, oh, I've been thinking about this. Um, For sure. For sure. Yeah.
1: And it's hard when you love it because, you know, I think it's it's a very weird thing to be working on social media because I started because I loved it. And it was a form of like recreation for me. And it still is. I still have friends online and, and all of that. But, um, so sometimes it doesn't feel like work, but then you might be like, oh, I'm just going to check it and see what my friends are doing. And then it turns into like seeing what you should be doing in your business and feeling like you're not enough or feeling like you got to check a customer support thing. Or yeah, it can, it can easily go down that rabbit hole for sure.
2: Yeah. I, I was have thinking, a few follow-up questions. Um yeah. about your evening routine. Like what is like w- what are some common things that you that you see come up again and again in terms of things you look forward to? One, like you mentioned, is like a cool recipe, but like mm-hmm. what else have you seen like has really worked well for you?
1: Yeah, for sure. F- I mean food. Like I- I'm motivated by food for sure. <laughs> so like
2: <laughs> I am cooking. too. I hear that.
1: Yeah, going out to dinner. If if that's on the on the table, that for sure. Friends, spending time with friends. You know, I think as we get older and into our careers, it becomes more of a treat. Like it's not like, you know, when we're in college and you saw your friends every day, basically. So I try to plan friend dates um whenever I can. And so that's always something that forces me to get out of my house and and look forward to just, you know, having a good time. Um, books. I also love to read. I for the longest time I didn't read any non-business books like that was all that I read which is good like it's it's a great way to learn but I recently started reading more like short stories and poetry and just like creative works um yeah which has been been fun and it allows you to kind of escape and then I also do love really bad reality tv I'm gonna be honest
2: like
1: no shame yeah and oh, dancing Dancing with the Stars is my favorite show. Like Tuesday nights, I'm like it's an event, which is so nerd. I'm like, what? Who am I? Like I'm like this I weird. Love like yeah. I'm, but you got to find something cheesy and fun that that you
2: enjoy. Mm-hmm. And this ritual, like you do, it it comes as soon as your workday ends, like your yeah. evening routine.
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, so I always try to have like a clean break from work. So for me, that's usually getting outside and walking, um, taking like an evening walk before I get into dinner or anything like that. That's usually what I do every day, getting out of the house, even if it's not a walk, like going for a drive or something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned your office, like, is that an office within your house?
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Nice. Oh, okay. That explains it. Got it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh, I had something I wanted to know, but I'm, I think I forgot it, but that's okay. Um, As an expert, if someone is focused on growing one platform, which would you recommend they grow first? Because I think a lot of people will say TikTok, Mm -hmm. but maybe that's not your answer. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I I mean, I still think that YouTube – is the place for like thought leadership content. Mm. If you have a YouTube channel and I see that you've made 20 videos about live streaming or video creation or, you know, whatever it is to me, that, that really tells me, you know, your stuff, you're passionate about this passionate enough to sit for 20 plus hours, you know, to create this content. And I think it, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's still the SEO value of it is still really, really valuable. With that said, though, it is a bit of a slower, you know, growth plan. Like you've got to, like I said, I've been on YouTube for 10 years, not always doing this. So I don't want that to necessarily factor in necessarily, but it's true. Like it takes time to one, grow your skills and also to build a following on this platform. So if you're like, I need clients today, or, you know, I need to whatever, sell something tomorrow. Maybe it's a bit of a, Combination between basically doing what I do, making YouTube videos, and then repurposing that content onto the short form platforms. Cause you probably will see quicker success on short form platforms. But I still think the success is more meaningful, at least it has been for me on YouTube. I mean, mm. no one's inviting me to like speak
0: on stages because of
1: my TikToks, but yeah. I
0: regularly do that because of YouTube. So yeah, no that's a great answer. I think I think especially if you're trying to teach people about cultivating I don't know if you're if you're really trying to instruct people on how to get into higher level marketing and establish that as a career, it can be really brief in the TikTok space and it can sort of disappear. While mm-hmm. YouTube, it's like if you're really looking for that, then you can really start to stand out. In a way that TikTok, I think it's easier for people to find you, but maybe not stay with you, you know?
1: I think there's also a relationship building point to it that I, you know, I have friends who are huge on TikTok and it's interesting because they're like, oh, I want to get on YouTube now. Like I want to start a podcast now. That's kind of the next stage of my growth journey. I still feel like YouTube is sort of like the end goal for a lot of Mm, creators mm -hmm. because, T- and, and I've experienced, I mean, I, I don't have a huge following on TikTok at nothing compared to what I have on YouTube, but it's very, um, the interactions are very quick. Like I'm not really finding people who are like, I love you, Latasha, you know, like, I love what you have to say. It's very like, oh, this was an interesting tip or an interesting fact On to the next. Whereas YouTube, like you're sitting with somebody for 15, 20, 30 minutes and you're really yeah. getting to know them And so, I just think there's a different type of relationship that's formed as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's so true. And I think if you're, I think the formatting of the content and people's um, profiles is even different. I mean, you can go to someone's YouTube channel and you can go to someone's TikTok profile. But um, I think what YouTube is trying to do with shorts is sort of show you a ton of content that you might be interested in in the way that TikTok does. But I find that with YouTube, it is sort of imperative that you have the people that you subscribe to and you do kind of visit their channel as like a hub for what they do. While TikTok, you can follow someone and then be like, oh my God, I haven't seen what they were doing in three months. And maybe I saw one video in passing. Um, It feels more like a hub for your followers or your fans for sure.
1: Yeah. Agreed.
2: Yeah. Uh, What's your opinion on uh, LinkedIn? We haven't talked much about that. Yeah. I know that like, I imagine a lot of your clients or, you know, your audience actually hangs out there because they're looking for businesses to approach.
1: Yep. I love LinkedIn. I I think it is massively underutilized by creators Mm. because it's like a little bit goes a long way on LinkedIn. This is the thing that I love about it. Um, I I don't post every day or anything like that. But I'll post a clip from like, especially from that series that you're talking about the kind of social media news series. Because uh, I like to get people talking, you know, I think it's a good place for that trending content. So I'll post clips on there. And like, I get comments for weeks after it's a slower platform, and it's a smaller platform. So there's not as much competition when it comes to like high quality video content or any type of content, really. So I think like, it's really nice in that way that you don't have to kind of work as hard. You don't have to post a daily TikTok to kind of beat the algorithm. And then, yeah, as far as the audience, I mean, people are there for business. Like that is why people get on. Whereas on TikTok, you're competing with, hey, I just want like, cute hairstyle ideas or travel hacks or you know and people are in different mindsets they might not be in that mindset to purchase or hire or you know really learn yeah which is totally okay but yeah instagram tiktok those are more of like fun platforms for a lot of people even youtube you know it's an entertainment platform for a lot of people whereas linkedin it's like you're going you're fishing where the fish are right like you're going where everybody is in the same mindset of like let's better our businesses or careers or something in
2: some way. Wow. That's so, that's so helpful to me right now because I'm like thinking about more and more about posting on LinkedIn and I had never considered that on all the other platforms you're competing with like entertainment. It's like trying to give away fruit on Halloween. Yes. Mm, (laughs) That's good. Uh,
0: That's, that's a, mm -hmm. It's so funny because I feel like every time I go on LinkedIn, people have their LinkedIn persona and it's different than their everyday persona. I see my friends commenting on their other friends' job updates and it's very sort of like, congratulations, you really deserve this. Well, meanwhile, they're probably texting each other like, oh my God. Yeah, Yeah, like it's so funny, like the LinkedIn sort of like the LinkedIn persona or the LinkedIn Mm -hmm. speak that comes on. But I think it's so true that creators don't use it to its highest potential, maybe because it does feel like a hub for business people. So sometimes you go in and it's sort of like, this is a little intimidating if you don't feel like you're super corporate, but there is such an opportunity there. People, People are blowing up and you have, I don't know, I think the I don't know if I would really call it an algorithm. I guess it is, but not algorithm in the way that we think of it being on TikTok or even Instagram, the discover page. Um, you do get served a lot of really cool things and it's yeah. dependent on your network. So rather than sort of seeking out the content that, um, you want to be seeing and maybe that's how the algorithm al- algorithm serves you it's more like how do you build the community and then the community serves you the content
1: absolutely yeah and I think the the LinkedIn persona thing is very real I think that's why a lot of people don't you know want to be on it and and I'll be honest like it took me being self-employed to kind of get away from that. Cause I always felt like, well, my employer is over my shoulder, like watching me, they're connected with me on LinkedIn. So I feel like I do have to be a certain, and obviously I'm professional. Like there's a way to be yourself without being unprofessional, but I definitely feel like I, I use my real voice. You know, I'm not like in a blazer in my headshot. Like I'm, you know, you can have fun with it still. And I, like I said, I actually think that helps you stand out because there are so many people who are Kind of all doing the corporate speak, like traditional blazer headshot. So if you come around and you're, you know, have personality while still being professional, it it makes you that much. It makes you stand out that much more.
0: Mm-hmm. And now there's LinkedIn influencers. Yeah, I know that's it's coming wild. up too. It's really interesting to see how that works.
2: Yep. So, what would your advice be to people who are in their careers, like working in house at a company, who want to use social media to advance their career, but who are not interested in like, you know, becoming a full time creator or starting a business or any of those things?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge thing. And there's a I don't know if you there's a book called founder brand, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, He he worked at drift. It was like a tech company for a long time, the author of that book. Um, and, And he's he's the book is basically talking about how like, a founder's brand or like a leadership's brand is such an important asset to the company nowadays. You know, it used to be all about the brand, like the uh, kind of like your hat. I was like, oh, that's a cool hat, right? Um, and you're like, oh, it's actually Colin and Samir's, right? I didn't even know that afterwards, or, uh, until afterwards. Um, it's kind of like, um, you know, it, the the, it, the all these different like hub the spoke is. Leading up until like the big business hub, so I think letting your employer know that, or, or not necessarily like telling them like this is so valuable, but showing them that you are a valuable asset to the company and that your personal brand is a valuable asset to the company, I think mm. is really important because you'll get that support, you'll get that buy in. My last job, they loved that I was on YouTube. They love like they were all about it. I was terrified to let them know. I was like, Oh my gosh, are they going to find my YouTube channel? (laughs) But it, it proved to them that I was interested in this stuff and that I did have skills that I wasn't even leveraging in my day job. Um, and so, you know, I got to work on projects that I would have never been asked to work on as like a new social media manager because they saw that I had those skills. So yeah, I, I think it is important to build up your brand and let your employer know, like, how valuable it is to, or or show them, not just tell them.
2: How do you show them?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's about for for me and like for my experience, it was taking learnings that I had from working with my clients and from being on YouTube and taking those into the boardroom, right? So when we we would have a social media strategy meeting about the company I was working at, it was, Hey, I did this thing for this client um, and it worked really well. Maybe we could try that with, with this brand, or here's a video format that's working really well on my YouTube channel. What do you think about trying that on the company account? And, um, yeah, just kind of bringing that in from, again, from, a an analytical, knowledgeable point of view, not from like a, oh my gosh, I'm so cool and so famous, (laughs) but here's, here's how this can really help us. And here's what I've learned.
2: Um, yeah, that can, that can help us. Okay, cool. Yeah. I have one more question. In that Forbes article, it said that one of your mentors said before you press publish, ask yourself how it's helping someone and that that little reframe completely changed the way that you create content. Mm. First of all, do you do you remember that conversation?
1: I do. Yeah. Okay. Can you
2: transport us back there? And like, you know, what led him to say that? And like, what was that conversation?
1: I feel like I have to shout him out because I've, I've said this before. I don't know if I've ever even said his name. His name's Carl Brown. He was a marketer in my hometown. And we were out at dinner and we were just talking about, I was blogging at the time. And um, we were, I was asking him for advice on something. I was like, oh, I don't know, like, how do I get more views on my blog or um, something like that? I don't, I don't remember. We were just kind of talking about the blogging industry and he was like you know before you press publish on any blog post always ask yourself how is this helping someone and it's like so no duh it's kind of like obvious right but it really stuck with me and and it's the most valuable probably the most valuable piece of content creation advice i've i've ever gotten um because i think and in that in that era i think blogging was very much kind of a novelty i mean this is like 2012 or something like that Uh, So it was still, I was like the only person in my hometown who had a blog, you know, that I knew of uh, that wasn't some weird business or something like that. And so the idea of like a personal brand was still very new. And it felt, I think, very much like a diary to me. It was like, I'm sharing whatever I'm enjoying right now and hoping people like it. But why, why would people pay with their attention if it's just your diary, right? A diary is for you. It's for yourself. A journal is for yourself you can do it in a way that still feels true to you and that still kind of scratches that itch if you will for yourself but just pivoting it just a little bit to tell people why they should care. So like an example, I do a YouTube series called A Week in My Business and it's a weekly vlog. I'm literally just vlogging my life. I vlog like what I'm making for lunch, I vlog, you know, just like random stuff and it's just fun for me. I love to create that content. I love to have those memories. But there, instead of just making it a simple, like, here's what I did today, there's always, you know, every five minutes or so, there's a lesson or there's a tool or there's a resource that I'm using that's going to be applicable to other people's businesses. So it takes it from being just like a weekly vlog where you're just passively watching and observing someone's life to like, oh, I'm getting all of these little gems every few minutes that I can take back into my business.
0: I really like that about your content. I feel like you're very intentional. And it's obvious. It's great. Thank you. On another note, what is your favorite way to unwind and disconnect? You mentioned reality TV, and I love that as well. Yeah. Um, but is it exercise? Is it? Do yeah. you have hobbies outside that have nothing to do with social media?
1: Yeah, I love I love being outside. Um, so I go for walks like as much as I can. I love being in nature. I also I don't love working out, but I do work out, and I feel like like I never. I'm never excited about it, but once I do it, I always feel like it really does just mentally clear your brain, yeah. which is really nice. Uh, for me, something that's helped me is finding, I do like live stream zoom workouts. So oh, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, there's this company that you can work with, you work out with other people and with a trainer, but from your living room. Cause I'm like, type of person i tried for a long time to go to like a you know workout classes and i would just like always be like oh i'm too busy it's good 15 minutes it's gonna take me to drive or so that has really helped me and then i also am a huge music fan like i come from a really artistic musical family i played drums growing up and um, yeah i know random but yeah so i love i love playing music i love listening to music going to concerts things like that
2: i'm curious about that because you you have an artistic background like you said and You also went to school for, for film, like, uh, and earlier in this conversation, you mentioned that you were planning on going directly into the corporate world. And that's kind of what you did for a bit. Like, what was the thinking from going into, from film school into the corporate world? Did you consider, uh, like making films before that and then decided against it? Or what was that like internal monologue? Like,
1: Yeah, I mean, I always wanted to lean more into the creative side, but I just didn't feel like, and this is not true for anyone listening, so don't, don't believe this, but (laughs) I always had this negative belief that like it wasn't realistic because while my family, they were, they are all very artistic, very creative, you know, we're not rich, you know, and I, I always saw that you couldn't possibly be successful as an artist and make money. And so I kind of had that like, well, wh- which side do I choose? Like I felt like I really had to choose either mm. be financially successful or creatively fulfilled. Um, so yeah, when I went to, I, that's what I wanted to do. Like when I was growing up, I wanted to like make music videos. That was my dream. I was mm. like, Oh my gosh, being a music video director would be so cool. Cause I love music too. Um, when I got into school and started really like analyzing, both my strengths and just kind of what was available to me, I actually went more into the broadcast side. So I did a lot of like on camera work and newsroom type of type of stuff. So that's then what I wanted to do is I wanted to work in the news. Um, and then I realized that was also not a super great career path for me because I would probably have to move to like a really small market, you know, go to like Iowa or some like random place. Um, and And that just didn't feel very like something I wanted to do either. So I decided that this, there's this new thing called social media at that time. Again, it was pretty, you know, it was like when I was in college, there's Facebook and Twitter and kind of Instagram. Instagram was pretty new at that point. Um, but I started to see where the areas could overlap a little bit. I was like, these Facebook videos are really bad. I wonder if somebody who had a real camera shot some of them, what that would do for businesses. And I kind of learned, you know, how they could overlap. And and over time I learned that you can be financially successful and creatively fulfilled, um, you know, in my own way.
2: Yeah. And, and we've come full circle. Now you do news about social media every month.
0: Yeah, that's true. yeah, it's funny. It is funny. It's sort of like when you're at your um when you're filming your podcast, it looks like almost a more fun news desk. Yeah. In a way. Like it's your yeah. own little desk, but it's sort of like, here are the latest updates.
1: I love it. For sure. I mean, it's it's very cool what people can do nowadays. You know, you can you can do whatever you want. The internet is so cool in that way. So if you wanted to have a news show about whatever Bird watching I don't know whatever it is whatever your passion is you can
2: do it you really can create it yourself it
0: totally can
2: it's true mm-hmm. cool let's start to wrap it up so we ask uh, a couple of questions at the end of every episode and the first one is can you shine the spotlight on another creator who do you enjoy watching
1: yeah um man this question again I'm like <laughs> I know I watch a lot of people um i I want to look up my my Oh, you know what, you know, who does great content is um, Jubilee. Do you guys know that
2: YouTube Absolutely, channel? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, young people put into like a weird situation and then you like learn about social dynamics.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. I do know them. I just sit them by name. They, uh, yeah. They are super cool.
1: I really love what they're doing and yeah, their content really, I mean, I I know it's not like a direct tie by any means, but I do get inspired a lot of like, oh, I should have a a panel for this video or Mm. I need to interview somebody who maybe feels differently than I do about something. And I just think they do a great job of one, their production value is great, but they also just do a great job of like bringing about topics that are really relevant and in the moment. Uh, So yeah, I'm going to say
2: them. Okay, cool. What is a piece of content you're currently obsessed with, and why? And feel free to name any trashy reality TV shows you're watching, (laughs) because I love them.
1: (laughs) I mean, Dancing with the Stars. I'm like, I become like a complete weird suburban. I don't even know. um, Whenever it comes on every year, it's like the (laughs) best. It's the best part of my Tuesdays. It's so. It's because it's you're seeing people in just having fun. Like that's what dance is. It's just about this creative expression and just having fun and doing something that they're not, they never thought they would do. And it's really cool. Cause it's like, what, what things could you enjoy that maybe you never thought you would try? You know, it's kind of inspiring in that way. Oh, yeah. Cool. I
2: like that question.
1: I like that mm-hmm. a lot.
2: Last one. Any final words you want to leave the audience with?
1: Yeah. I think just start with where you're at. I think that's the biggest thing with content creation, like I said, and especially, like, the tool, like, StreamYard is an amazing tool to be able to use with a webcam. You know, like, you don't you don't need all of the fancy bells and whistles to start. I think that's one of the biggest things that prevents people from starting mm. is they feel like they need to have, like, the fanciest camera and the fanciest, you know upgrade over time. I started on a point and shoot Samsung camera. It didn't even have like, it, it wasn't like a DSLR or mirrorless. It was like the old school, like digital camera. It I was terrible. That. And you know, there's so much more you can do now, even if yeah. it's like an iPhone or a webcam.
2: Yeah. What was the question you had asked at the end of the la- your answer to the last question? I want to write it down. It was like, what might you enjoy that you don't know or something like that?
1: like what what might you enjoy that you never thought you would or that you never thought you'd have the opportunity to try yeah
2: oh i love that i feel like that's that's how i feel about tiktok like my uh my like in terms of what i consume like content that i consume tiktok has broadened my horizons a ton because a lot of these videos that i love watching are not thumbnails that i would ever click on on youtube but like Mm -hmm. because the first three compelling seconds on my fyp like gets me in i'm like oh cool i didn't know i'd like that interesting
0: yeah that's a good point what's your favorite thing you found on youtube or on
2: tiktok i mean that you wouldn't have looked at otherwise um a bunch of like golden retriever (laughs) videos like i love love that. that yeah uh, and also farm videos. They're so good. I've seen some Definitely. videos of like, they'll stick a GoPro onto a cat, like a barn cat walking through their farm and like that's it's hanging so out fun. with the goats and like jumping onto cows and mm-hmm. stuff. It's so good. I love See, that.
0: That's so funny because I was going to say for mine is sheep shearing. It's <laughs> amazing. It's so cool <laughs> watching people just shear sheep and being like, yeah, she's really dealing with this a ton of wool on her that's really really old blah 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 it's fascinating that's so funny and I relaxing it's like you're like oh finally they don't have to carry 20 pounds of wool on them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> i think what mo and i are saying is that we want to move to farms yeah and we live in metropolitan areas and I it's mean, not working
1: <laughs> could be a podcast idea you know like the simple yeah. life but stream yard edition
2: <gasps> i don't know Oh my God, Mel! Thank me later. (laughs) Latasha's on to something. Where can Uh, people find you on the internet?
1: Yeah, YouTube, uh, TikTok, Instagram, whatever, anywhere is uh, at the Latasha James and LatashaJames.com. If you want to learn more about what I do. For a living, I guess. You have an
0: awesome website, by the way. Thank you. I was looking Thank through you. it and I was like, who is her website designer? Me. It is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. There we go. <laughs> it is so good. It's so fluid. Thanks. I was like, hmm, this is a great, this is a great website experience. Appreciate it. Yeah. This episode was recorded with StreamYard. If you want to record a podcast like this, check out the link in the description.
2: And if you want to leave us a voice message through Spotify, we'll leave a link to that too. So thank you for joining us today on Inside the Creator Studio, and we'll see you next time.